Thank you, Brother Don. We'll hold off on that last song. We'll maybe save that for Sunday. And uh, take your Bible tonight and look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I, I, I find a, a picture here and a real event and scenario that took place with Jesus and his disciples that I think in some ways is similar to what Jesus and his disciples have experienced these last few days. And I want us to see in Matthew chapter number 17 some thoughts here tonight that may help us before we go into prayer, and I believe it can help us so that we don't lose what God has done. How many have made a specific, definite decision for the Lord this, these past few days, and you've meant it? Would you raise your hand? All right. Lord bless you. And, um, and how many are willing still to make more decisions for the Lord? Would you raise your hand? And, and I think the key is something we're going to see here tonight that can help us. Notice in Matthew chapter 17. Let's go ahead and stand together for a moment. I know you put your seatbelt on, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and stand up here. Matthew 17 verse 1. And after six days. Now this would be six days from what we preached on last Wednesday. Six days from where Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter declared, because God had, had put upon his heart and, and gave him the words to say that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this is six days after that. Six days after Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Six days later. Six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them unto a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. How many thought it was good for us to be here Sunday, Amen. Monday, Amen. and Tuesday? Amen. So did Peter. Lord, it's good. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. In other words, while Peter's speaking, God interrupts him. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. That's, sometimes uh, sometimes in, in people's testimonies, I think God's trying to interrupt and, and, and so what happens is God interrupts that bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save 
Jesus only. Thank you. Please be seated. Remember we said that Jesus took his disciples 40 some miles for an object lesson to go to um, a, the furthest north that he had taken them. And after giving a, such a powerful description of who he was in Matthew chapter 16 and the first time they're hearing about the church in the New Testament Six days later, he takes them up to a higher mountain. And the Bible says he's transfigured, verse 2, before them. Now, there's similarities to this event and the event that Moses had on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 24, where he ascends a mountain with his companions and there's an overshadowing cloud and a revelation of God's glory given to Moses. But there's also, while there are parallels here with Sinai, there's some significant key differences. Remember, Moses came off that mountain and his face was glowing because he had been in the sun. He, 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 he had been too close to the oven. No, he had been in the presence of God, so he reflected being in the presence of God. But his glory wore off his face after time. The glory that was manifested on this mountain in Matthew 17 was Jesus's, and it never has worn off. It's similar, but it's still significantly different. Jesus is, is presenting some things that will pertain to the millennium and to the kingdom and, and some things that will be very significant, but he's also doing some things before his disciples. And what Jesus is doing is he is uh, not like Moses being changed into this, but he's being displayed as to who he really is. Several of you stated when you got clean, experienced the presence of God. Several of you said, I've never felt this close to God. The Bible says that Peter, as we mentioned, he said, Lord, it's good. This is good. It's good that we're here. Maybe in comparison to Caesarea Philippi, where they just were six days earlier at this seat of, of gross, immoral, wicked uh, practices. But Jesus said, I am victor even over that. To now they go to a place and he sees nothing but Jesus and he hears the voice of the Father. And Peter says, you know, I think we can make this thing work out. You put a tent here and a tent here and, and tent here and, and we can stay here. It's good to be there. Listen, it's good to be in the presence of God. We, 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 we ought to long and hunger for the presence of God. That's the point of spending time with Him is that we can get into the presence of God. That's the point of our Christ walk journals. It's not to do your devotions. It's to experience the presence of God. And that's what Henry Blackaby has been trying to get us to see in this experiencing God. It's Him. Divine encounters ought to be part of rest 
regular, normal activity of his people. And when Peter experienced such a manifestation, and keep in mind, he's been with this Jesus. He's walked with him. This is the same Jesus in Matthew 17 on a mountain and Peter's never seen him like this. James has never seen Jesus like this. John has never seen this. He's never heard this. He's never experienced Moses and Elias and Jesus transfigured and the voice from heaven. At the, they've never experienced this, but it's the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. Jesus didn't get more of something on the mountain. No, the disciples did. Jesus didn't. This is the same Jesus. It's the same glory that he has had with his father with no starting point in history. Same Jesus. The same Jesus that came and was incarnated into man as a little baby. The same Jesus. It's the same Jesus that knelt down and stooped down and washed the disciples' feet, letting them know, I am willing to get down into the mess of your life because I love you. No greater love hath any man than this. Same Jesus. But what he did was he manifested himself. Isn't that what he longs to do for us in a prayer meeting? Amen. Where two or more gathered together in my name, I'm there. You say, I would love to have been on top of that mountain. I wish we had, would have a revival meeting like that on top of that. And do you see, did you not read with me what, what happened? Peter's going to talking about how good it is and starting to spit and slobber. And, and, and he started to tug on his coattail. Talk, and, and God said, shut up. It's, it's my son that I'm well pleased with. Hear ye him. In the Greek, it's shut up. The testimony ought to be about bragging about God and what God is doing. But I think too many, here's, here's what bothers me with social media. And I get on, I don't have Facebook, so I don't see that, but I see the Twitter. Everyone's talking about the good that they've done. When was the last time someone got on and said, I just want to be able to just put a, a, a daily post out there and just say, I'm a wicked sinner. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. But the way most people post, it's like, well, God's grace was wasted on you because you didn't need it. You're about to the right of God. But the fact is, we're more proud than we are humble. Some of you should have been given testimony on Sunday. It took you two days to give a testimony, not because you're too humble, but because we're still too filled with pride. And God is trying to get us to see, it's my son that I'm well pleased with. How do you think a person's going to get to heaven? Not because of how good we are, but because of his son. Amen. What is revival about? It's about falling in love with the one that the father's well pleased with. I, 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 wish, we could, I, wish, I wish we could have, if I would have experienced that, man, my life would be different. You know what Peter said later? You read it in Peter's writings. Peter says, 
I was there on the Mount of Trans. I saw something nobody else had seen. I heard something nobody else has heard. I've experienced what no other, other than James and John, have experienced. No one else but us three. But you know what Peter says? We have a more sure word of prophecy than being on top of that mountain. What I'm saying is, that's a good picture of what revival looks like. See, sometimes we think you can't have revival if there's not slobbering and, and, and rolling and jumping. And, but God says, shut up. Hear ye Him. When we go to worship, the most biblical posture in all the Bible when it comes to worship is what? Yeah. Yeah, not climbing a telephone pole. I know Brother Autry is going to do it before long, but he's getting to a point he's running out of energy, but it will happen in the millennium. He will climb a telephone pole when he gets so excited. That's just Brother Autry's nature. But do you know whether he's able to physically climb a telephone pole or to shout and jump a few pews? It does not, it does not determine whether or not he's in revival. Do you know what really determines whether or not we're in revival? Whether or not we match according to Bible truth and Bible standards? Are we hearing him? Is it really about Jesus or is it about what Jesus does for us? I, I'd, I'd like to stay on the mountaintop. That was, that was so good. Sunday was good. No, it was amazing. Monday was good. No, it was incredible. Tuesday was good. No, it was wonderful. Wednesday? Eh. St. Jesus. Peter said, can we stay? Notice what happens in verse 9. Would you read it with me? And as they came down from the mountain. Stop right there. It's good to be on the mountaintop. But we don't live on the mountaintop. You don't live on the mountaintop, and by the way, you don't live in the valley. So what's, what are we aiming for? Jesus. Live with Jesus. If you want the revival to stay in your heart, you've got to stay with the one who's the reviver. Peter said this is good. His assessment was right. You've said it's good. Your assessment is right. But if you're not prepared to come off the mountain you and I will end up like Peter. Take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Peter saw what no one else other than James and John saw. He heard what no one else other than what James and John heard. He experienced what no one else but James and John experienced. And yet Peter, he denied the Lord. He wept bitterly. It was so bad, he walked away from church. Why? Because he was confused about the place that the mountaintop was to have in his life. He was confused about what the valley was to be in his life. He was confused about this Jesus in whom the Father is well pleased and said, Hear ye. You know why Peter fell? Because he was not prepared for after 
the revival meeting. He wasn't prepared. Three things that Peter failed to do. Three things you and I cannot afford to do if you want to stay in revival. Number one, notice in verse number 33. Matthew 26 and verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended or stumble because of thee, yet will I never be offended or stumble. Have you ever felt that way? I, I, I can never see getting out of church. I can never see getting out of the ministry. Now, I, 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 I think that. I can't, I can't see anything else. I always would hear, if there's anything else that I could ever do and be happy doing it outside of preaching, do it. I couldn't do anything else but preach and be happy. I couldn't do anything else but serve God in ministry and preaching the word. And so I, I can see with Peter. Yes, I, I, I get you, Peter. I understand. Peter says, oh, everybody stumbles because of what you say, Jesus, when you get to preaching hard. Everyone else may get tripped up. And there have been a lot of people, multitudes who, who stopped following Jesus and transferred their letters somewhere, somewhere else. Peter said, I'll never do it. In verse 34, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. You know why Peter failed? Is because number one, he minimized his own potential to sin. He minimized his own potential to sin. He minimized his own potential to sin. That's why Paul said, you better take heed. You better beware and take heed and guard your heart lest you fall into the same trap. There's no sin that's ever been committed but what you and I are capable of committing if under the same provocation and Peter minimized his potential to sin. That's why Peter says, I don't need to respond in this invitation, Lord. I will never deny you. They, these guys might need it. I don't. Although everybody else were to deny, I'm not going to do it. And Peter's not listening. He's not even listening to Jesus. In fact, he argues with him. I wonder if anybody has gotten through these services where you've actually argued with the Holy Spirit so that you justified when the Holy Spirit is trying to convict you and you're saying, it's not me. I wouldn't do that. It's not every, this is everybody else. I don't need this. You're putting more confidence in yourself than God is. He minimized his own potential to sin. So, so how do we properly look at it? It should be, there's not any sin that I could not commit if I were put under the same provocation. Oh God, help me. Guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Ask yourself, what kept me from getting up and giving a testimony? 
Ask yourself, what kept me from being honest when I gave a testimony? Have you minimized your own potential to sin? I'm telling you, if we, if we were able to see what God, the Spirit of God sees, I think it would scare, we would shudder. Thomas Boston, Puritan, C.H. Spurgeon wrote in lectures to my students and he talked about Thomas Boston, a Puritan preacher who, who had a dream. In this dream, he dreamt that the devil was preaching the gospel. And in the dream, Thomas Boston went to the devil and said, are you the devil? And he said, I am. And he said, are you preaching the gospel? He said, I am. And Thomas Boston in the dream, it's just a dream, but he said, why would you, the devil, be preaching the gospel? And the devil said, because the surest way to damn the souls of man is to preach the truth without the power of God. And Thomas Boston said he shuddered. And Spurgeon said when he read it, he shuddered. And so should we. He minimized his own potential to sin, but not only that, number two. Look at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That's Jesus saying that. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth, what's the next word? Uh-uh, no, no, you missed a word. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto who? Peter, what? Could you, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And came, cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now. And take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. They missed the window of opportunity. Peter. Here's what I find interesting is that the head of the church, Jesus, calls for partnership. Would you, would you pray with me? Jesus said in verse number 36, he said to all the disciples, sit ye yonder, sit ye here while I go yonder and pray. Sometimes people say things like, um, 
I don't know. I just don't sense God speaking to me. I don't think he told me to get up and give a testimony. I don't think he told me to pray. You've been in prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and some of you have never prayed. I don't think he spoke to me. I want to tell you, if you were in earshot of hearing Jesus said, I'm going to pray, don't you think that should be sufficient as to what Jesus might be up to? I said, don't you think if you heard him say, I'm going to pray, who, who's going to pray? The perfect sinless son of God is going to pray. And who, who of us would say, well, good for you. You need it. What, 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 what kind of a nudge are you waiting for? Is that why you sit on the back pews? So you don't have to sense him talking to you? Can you sense him back there? Okay. Can you, can you sense him back there in that area? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. I want to tell you, if you really want to be missed, sit up here. I never see anybody on the front rows. I never do. I'm always looking at the people in the back. I never, I never see anybody up here. Oh, there's you. I didn't know you were here. See? See, I told you. But then he says to Peter, James, and John, I'm asking you, come pray with me. And they still slept. And they could have said, I got a medical condition. What other sorry excuse would you like to offer? See, the test of what you think about God is the excuse you're going to use that will stop you from responding to God. You know why Peter failed? Number one, he minimized his own potential to sin. And number two, he failed to pray. He failed to pray. When I was in evangelism, Jim Van Gelderen said, Bill, you need to, and by the way, you hear different ones refer to me by different things. Brother Vaughn called me Billy. Dr. Jim calls me Bill. So depending upon what part of the country they're from is how they say my name. If they're from the north, it's Bill. From the south, it's Billy. That's, that's how you can tell. And you learn something there. But he said, Bill, you, you need to get with the pastors when you're in meetings and pray. I said, that sounds good. We, we, we would do it with, with him, and we'd do it when we were back at our home church. And so I started putting in the packet, I want to pray. I'd like to pray, Pastor, with you and whatever staff, whatever you'd like. That's like what we do here when Dr. Jim is here. It's the same thing we would do. And I let the pastor know, let's pray. Can we pray? We need to pray. All is vain unless the Holy Spirit of the Lord come down. Isn't there a verse in there about praying with all our power, praying with all? And, but we like to sing it. We just don't like to practice it. You know, in all 12 years of revival work, I can count on one hand the number of pastors that would say, yes, and let's do it. You know what I got every week? Excuses. Oh, they, they wanted a good meeting. They just didn't want a revival meeting. In fact, one pastor, I'll never forget, he said, Brother Ingram, he said, we got to get to lunch. and We've got the staff here. Let's just all pray at one time. Well, I'm not opposed to that. I've been a part of that, but I was opposed to the reason. Let's just all pray at once so we can get done sooner. He said, what did you do? 
You want to know what I did? I said, why don't we just cancel the meeting then? I'm not here for a meeting, I would say. I'm here for God. And if you're worried about time, I'll tell you, Pastor, what time it is. Hosea 10 and verse 12. It's time to seek the Lord till He come. I was just telling Brother Imondi before the service, I was with a pastor in Delaware. He said, why can't you just do what all the other evangelists would do and just go along with business like usual? And, and I, would, I asked him, why would, they say, why would they agree to these things? And he would say, because they said that they needed the meeting. I said, I don't need a meeting. I need to be able to put my head on my pillow knowing that nothing is between my soul and the Savior. I'm not called by my mom. I'm not called by a college. I'm not called by a fellowship. I'm called by God Almighty. You know where the business of the church is taken care of? In the prayer meeting. That, that's, that, that's true. Matthew chapter 18. It's prayer meeting. Didn't we hear that the other night too? The message on forgiveness. It's about being able to pray. Peter didn't pray. He minimized his potential to sin. He failed to pray. Why do you think he, he failed to see the urgency to pray? Because he minimized his potential to sin. He didn't think he needed this. You know, I felt like when I first started out in revival meetings, we go Sunday to Fridays. And some churches would ask, can we do Sunday to Sunday? And, and I could do those. I just didn't do too many of those because then I'm off, of, off a week in many ways. And, but, but if the Lord was in it, well, I enjoyed doing some of those. and did some of those over in the Athens area and had some incredible meetings. And, but we'd go Sunday to Friday. And then the time started changing. Then we had Sunday to Wednesday meetings. And then guys would, would say, can you come and do Sunday and Monday? And, 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 and I had one, one, one pastor uh, call up joking. He said, hey, Brother Ingram, I wondered if you'd come for revival. We don't have a lot of time, but we want to have revival. Can you come for an hour? He's being sarcastic because that's just the trend. We, we, we want to dictate to God what we would like to do. And I, I felt like we would be in this meeting Sunday to Wednesday and we get to Wednesday. I felt like I spent all that time doing the best that I could with the help of God just to convince the church we need revival. It took all that time just to get God's people to see, yeah, I, I, th I, think, we, I think we do need revival. You know, we all, have, we all think revival is a good meeting. You can have a good meeting and not have revival. You can have a good meeting and not be saved. It just depends upon who's defining the good meeting. Peter just was not convinced that what Jesus was saying, he needed. And I wonder how many went through Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and you're just not convinced that you need it. I need thee every hour. And then the songwriter wrote, moment by moment, I need him. And Peter, he minimized his potential to sin. 
He didn't pray. By the way, I, I really don't feel like as a church we are praying because we, we gotta. I feel like we pray because we have to. We're not going to make it. What about us? What about Canaan? What about this? Is going to appeal to a lost and dying world that is so sensual and, and entrenched in, in, in such degradation and debauchery that this is going to appeal to them? Do you know what this is? This is pouring water on Elijah's altar. And the only way it's going to burn is when God shows up. We're not going to borrow from the trends. And we're not going to, oh, if we can just change the color of lights and, and we can just put some smoke out here and, the, and, 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 and we, can, we can just have the, 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 you know, just the, the faded scene and, and, the, and, the, and the feel. No, we're not borrowing that. I'm going to tell you what we can do is we can, um, there's, there's a verse somewhere that says, if my people, which are called by my name, would uh, humble themselves... I think we'd rather borrow, wouldn't we? Humble themselves, pray. What about that borrowing? Can, can we just borrow? We don't have to do. Pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. And God says, you take it to the bank. I'll show up. He didn't pray. He minimizes potential to pray, or potential to sin. He didn't pray. But third, look towards the end of the chapter. Look at verse number 58. Verse 57. Let's back up one more and get a run and start at it. Verse number 56, the end of the verse. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled, all of them. Verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Drop down to verse 69. While Jesus is being tried falsely, Jesus is being hit, buffeted, spit upon, according to verse 67. He's being beat up. Verse 69, now Peter sat without in the palace and a damsel came unto him saying, thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was going out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then he began, then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew and Peter Remembered the word of Jesus which said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Number one, he minimizes potential to sin. Number two, he failed to pray. Number three, 
He's in the wrong place. He's in the wrong place. Why was he following Jesus as a disciple? Why was Peter following Jesus in the first place? He was called. Jesus said, follow me. And Jesus never told him to stop. But when the atmosphere changed, and it didn't feel the same way as it did on the mountain, and this isn't looking too good, now it doesn't look like the the pie in the sky. It doesn't look like the happy clappy that we were experiencing before. Peter's beginning to doubt. Why is he doubting? Because he minimizes potential to sin. He didn't pray. And now he's in the wrong place. He's far off. He's, he's tra- it says he wanted to watch this thing through. So he's just kind of lingering and, and hanging back. It reminds me in the book of 2 Kings in chapter number 2 when Elisha was told by Elijah, you might want to stay put, God's leading me from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho and over to Jordan. And Elisha's response was, as my soul liveth and as the Lord liveth, I will not leave thee. So the Bible says that Elisha went with Elijah from Bethel to Jericho and over to Jordan. And the Bible says this, there were 70 of the sons of the prophets, Bible college preacher boys. They're watching from a distance. They had right theology. They knew all about the school of the prophets. They were enrolled in it. They had to fill out the application. They were in the school of the prophets. They had to pass the entrance exam. They're one of them, and they're watching from a distance. But Elisha said, as my soul liveth, as I've got breath in my body, and as long as God is alive, I'm sticking with you. It wasn't because Elijah was popular because he has a king who's trying to come down on him. It wasn't because of Elijah's popularity that Elisha was interested in following. It was because of God's popularity. Let me ask you, would you want to be an Elisha? Or do you want to be like one of the 70? All they did was watch. I want to tell you, I want to just as a pastor tell you what moved this meeting. You want to know how the meeting really got on? When Brother Autry stood up and was humble and honest, I said right there, God just came into the meeting. And so, teenager, what's your excuse? College student, what's your excuse? It's not a bad thing to stand by the fire. Peter's just out there by the fire warming his hands. Is it really that bad? What's wrong? You're going to start preaching against fire? Well, if I want to. I can find something wrong with it. 
Do you know what's wrong with him standing out there by the fire, warming his hands? Do you know what's wrong with it? It's not where he was supposed to be at that time. Do you know what's wrong with you being at Canaan Baptist Church? As if God's wanting you to get somewhere else. And do you know what's wrong with you being somewhere else? As if God wants you to be here at Canaan Baptist Church. But the problem is we want to listen to what other people say rather than what God says because we've missed the prayer time. We've missed the prayer meetings. We've missed the revival presence of God because we've minimized our own potential to sin. We don't think we're that bad in the first place and we're not really convinced that we really need revival. Do you know how to get into revival? We heard it this week. Humble yourselves, get hungry, get honest. Do you know how to stay in revival? Stay hungry, stay humble, stay honest. Peter, he stepped out of revival. Do you know how he could get back into it? Get hungry, get humble, get honest. Don't lose ground. Don't give ground to Satan. The best days are still the rest of the days of our life. If you're looking for the sensational, you're going to be gullible to every trap of Satan. If you're looking for the, the happy, clappy feeling, you're gullible to every trap of Satan. If you're looking for Jesus, you'll find him. I'd like for us to pray. I'd like for us to, those, if you want to come to the altar, come to the altar. If you want to stay put, stay put. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to, to go into our symphony of prayer. The Holy Spirit's the conductor. And when he points his finger, when he talks, when he nudges, when he squeezes your heart, or when he just passes by and says, I'm praying. It's a good idea. We pray. And maybe then is when you say, I may be scared, but I'm not going to let the fear of man trap and, and, and hold me back. I want the fear of God more than the fear of man. I don't want to wind up as a statistic like Peter in his failure. I don't want to minimize my sinfulness. I don't want to hide from God who loves me and is trying to help me. I don't want to miss the presence of God tonight. And I don't want to miss the place where God would have me to be. As we've been hearing in Henry Blackaby again, get to where God is. You heard Harold Vaughn say, it's good to be where God is working. Don't miss it. Jesus was right there and Peter just backed up a little bit. He backed up a little bit and he backed up a little bit so that he didn't even recognize that he's doing exactly what was preached to him earlier that day. That day Jesus said you're going to do this but when you get away from the presence of the Lord there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death separation from God and Peter was separated from the one who was St. Peter your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak you've got to join me in praying 
The Father brought the Son through. The Holy Spirit empowered the Son. I can't explain all of that, but I'm telling you, Jesus prayed. And don't you think he was just going through the motion? It was not a, 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 a religious activity. No, 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 no. He was there. Great drops of blood poured out of the strain and the agony of his soul. No, he's not going through this little ritual of walking into a place and, and, and getting a little bit of water putting it on his head and going through some type of motion. That's not what he's doing. He's in, he's in a battle. The, the, the souls of man, your soul and mine, was hanging in the balance. And there he prayed and he was agonizing, battling the devil. And he said, Peter, join me. The victory is available. We're going to pray. Will you? Will you pray with Jesus tonight? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we're just going into the prayer meeting, meeting with you. I don't know how to pray big prayers. I don't know how to pray anything fancy. All I know to say is we still need you. We may be coming off of a mountaintop kind of experience, but there's going to be other mountaintops and well, we're not going to experience those mountaintops if we don't know how to walk with you coming off the mountaintop. And so, Lord, would you deepen the work and, and, and would you continue to deepen in our life, open our eyes, make things real to us, help us to see how real the fight and the battle truly is. Peter heard Jesus, literally heard Jesus tell him and he still didn't see it. And there's no doubt in my mind, somebody here tonight maybe still is not convinced that the battle is that real in their life. So Lord, would you open our eyes, help us to see just how close the hiss of the serpent is to us. I pray that you would meet with us in this prayer meeting. Vindicate truth tonight. We need you. As the Lord leads.